taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. All right, so y'all, when I was a child, I used to think that God was grumpy and that he would get mad at me and want to punish me for anything wrong that I did. One time, when I was in third grade, I really wanted to go to my friend's party, but I kept getting in trouble at school. That was nothing new. But my parents told me that if I was good that week, I could go to the party. I tried my best, y'all, but that Friday, my teacher called my mom. And you know it's bad when your teacher calls your mom. So when I got home, I felt really sad and frustrated. I thought I couldn't do anything right. So I had this big idea. I wrote a letter to my parents saying I was running away because I was so upset I couldn't go to the party. I packed my little backpack and ran away from home. But guess what? Okay, I hear y'all. Guess what? As soon as I got outside on my really important mission to run away, one of my friends, I mean, that could have been it, but one of my friends saw me and asked me to play. Well, playing is way more fun than running away, so I said yes. We played for a few hours, and by the end of the day, I was tired and hungry. So I decided it was time to go home. <laughs> When I got there, my parents were frantic because they had gotten my letter. I told them it was just a joke because I realized I couldn't make it out in the world on my own. I felt bad for lying to my parents and I thought God knew too. So that night I hid under my covers because I thought God couldn't see me down there because I knew he was upset with me. And that weekend we were going to church and I was really scared. I thought God would be so mad at me for being so bad at school and lying to my parents. I was afraid he wouldn't even let me come into his house. You ever felt like that? Okay, well, all right, you, you, are in, you are in the same company. So I wanna tell you all about a young man who ran away like I did, and then he found out, we can talk about Jonah another time, but he found out that he couldn't make it out in the world all by himself, just like I did. In the end, he learned that God not only loved him, but that God waited for him and that God would always cover him. All right, so we're gonna pray real quick. Is that okay? Yeah. Question hero, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, this children's day where um, the children are just showing how much they love you and are here to serve. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would hide me behind the cross and that people won't see me and hear me but hear you and see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 So in Luke 15, there are three stories called parables. So parables are like simple tales that teach you life lessons. So, yes ma'am. So I'm gonna explain them to you in a second, but I need a favor from all you CP kids in the building and all you CP kids at home. 
right? So in the three parables I'm going to share with you, at the end of every single parable, there is a celebration, all right? So when I say celebrate or celebration, this is your time. This is your time to clap your hands and make a little bit of noise, okay? And, <laughs> child, if you want to add some spice, you can raise the roof, but we're not, we're not going to get started today. All right, so when I say celebrate or celebration, we are going to clap our hands. All right. All right. Okay, so the first parable tells us about a shepherd who had a flock, a big flock of 100 sheep, right? But oh no, one day, one of the sheep got lost. And so the shepherd left the 99 sheep to go and look for the one that was lost. And guess what, y'all? He found it. And when he found it, he was so happy that he called his friends and neighbors so that they could celebrate. Yes, yes. All right, all right. Celebrating your seats. Thank you. The second parable is about a woman who had 10 shiny silver coins, but she lost one of them. So she turned on a light in her home and swept all around the place so that she could find it. And when she found it, she was so happy that she called her friends and neighbors so that they could celebrate. Oh my goodness. We might be having too much fun today. So, now the last parable is a little different from the first two. It teaches us about something else. It doesn't tell us about someone losing something. It tells us about someone who was lost. This young man got lost, but when he found his way back, there was so much happiness and celebration. All right, okay. So this third parable, this third parable is found in Luke 15, verse 11. And if you all want to read along with me, that's in Luke 15, verse 11. I'll give you all a little time while I drink some water. Luke 15, verse 11. So the word of the Lord reads in Luke 15, verse 11, that there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. I've read this story a few times and I never realized that the father actually gave an inheritance to both sons at that time and only one son did what he did. So CP kids, imagine you have a special box filled with all kinds of treasures like toys, books, and other shiny objects that you like. And this box belongs to your parents. And one day, when they feel it's the right time, they will give it to you as a gift. In a way, this box is like something called an inheritance. Now, let's think about what can be in that box. It can be money, a house. I mean, it'd have, it'd have to be a big box, but I've seen some big boxes. It could be a house, it could be a car, or even things that are precious to your parents. When they give you that box, you now are able to do whatever you want with that stuff because you own it now. Can I, can I take your question? In a second, Gabby? Okay. okay, thank you. So an inheritance is a way for parents and grandparents to show their love and care towards you by sharing something with you 
that will help you to remember them or something that you can enjoy when they're no longer with you? Yes, Gabby. Well, you know, if that was special to them, they would like for it to be special to you too. So that could be in your special box as well. That is all right. Okay, so now that we know what an inheritance is, let's go on to verse 13. Not long after the younger son got his, his share of the inheritance, he set out for a distant land. And there he squandered all his wealth that his father just gave him in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. CP Kids, have you ever heard of a famine? Gabby, you know everything. Hold on. Kaden? Oh, were you going to say it, or are you just saying you know? Okay, you know. All right. So a famine is basically what happens when there's not enough food in an area for people. So think of it like this. Let's say one day you run out of your favorite snack. I know, I know, but it's worse when it's a famine. It's worse when it's a famine because it's for a long period of time and it happens to a lot of people. So famines usually happen when there is a big shortage of food. And sometimes it happens because insects came and ate up all the crops. And when this happens, it makes it hard for farmers to provide food to everyone. So during a famine, people can get really weak and hungry, and they're not able to get the food that they need to stay healthy. Which is why it's important that when there is a famine, all the people around the world help out by sending food, sending water, and other supplies. All right, so verse 15 continues on to say, the young man, the young man who left home started working for a man who made him feed pigs. He was so hungry and wanted to eat what the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Yeah, it was that bad. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the son got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Quest is feeling that. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. All right, all right. So this last parable really gives us an insight on how God loves us, how God waits for us, and how God is always willing to cover us. And those are the three main points of this message, okay? I want y'all to, to keep up with that. So point one, God loves you. All right? God loves you, Imani. 
God loves you, Quest, Hero, Taylor, Ronald, James. I see you, Jonah. God loves you, too. So God loves you. The younger son asked for an inheritance that would only come after his father passed away. The father was so loving that he divided the inheritance he'd leave to both sons. In our modern Western society, when someone gets an inheritance, it's usually in the form of cash or maybe a home or some other cool thing, right? But looking back at the culture during the time of this parable, the father divided land. He divided workers, animals, and assets that were used to sustain the family. The father didn't give the son cash. So basically, the young son got what he needed or the things that the father divided for him and then sold them and got cash so he could go out and do whatever he wanted. Now the father had to use half of what he started off with in order to feed himself and his older son. The story doesn't really tell us about a wife, but in this time, a lot of extended families stayed together. So this father was having to uh, now sustain his workers and, and adjust so that his family could live below the means that they were living on. So the word says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. What his son did not only played with the family's money, <laughs> in the present tense, but it messed with the money that would go to the next generation and the generations to follow. So parents, I want you to think about having a great stock and investment portfolio, owning multiple properties, and having a lucrative business, and then one day, one of your two children decides they are going to sell half of everything, every single thing. That doesn't just impact you and your family's current financial situation. That will impact your legacy. Those stocks and investments won't even see the potential that they could have reached. And then your properties and businesses are now bringing in half of what your family is used to. Think about that. That's the father's situation. And even though he was in that situation with his son being so selfish and irresponsible, the father didn't care about the financial situation. All he did was love his son. When you are selfish or irresponsible, God loves you. Now, and I can't even say in the same way because this is a human being. Even when you're selfish and irresponsible, God loves you even more than how this father exhibited his love for his son. I love Romans 8.38 when it says, For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor anything present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate you from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So, CP kids, God loves you, and God is always waiting for you, right? One thing I learned in my time at the seminary is to look beyond the text. So I studied and found out that if a Jewish son lost his inheritance among Gentiles and returned home, the community would perform a ceremony called kazaza. CP kids, can y'all say kazaza? Kazaza. Kazaza. 
I think it's such a cool word. So kazaza is a ceremony that the community will perform by breaking a large pot in front of the person that they want to remove from the community and shout to them, you are now cut off from your people. The community would, com would completely reject them. This son knew this, which is why in his little monologue, he's thinking, okay, if I go to my father's house and apologize, he'll make me a hired servant. He knew, he can't even think, okay, if I go and apologize to my father humbly, he'll accept me as his son again, because he knew these people were going to cut him off. So he had to come correct. And the father also knew this, which is why I believe every single day, ever since that boy left, the father waited for him in his front yard, looking down the road, hoping that he will see his baby. If you read the story further, you'll see that the other son who got his inheritance stayed home. And the, and the Bible tells us that the older son was so upset. And it makes sense why he was upset, because the father had two sons, right? In the two parables we read before this, the shepherd had 100 sheep, but left the 99 to find the one that was lost. The woman had 10 coins, lost one coin, and spent all her time looking for the one. So the father had two sons, but when the one young son left, all he did was focus on waiting for the one that left. The text says that while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. I don't believe in chances when it comes to God. Think of Jesus on his way to Calvary and how a man named Simon of Cyrene was there to help him carry a cross that had nothing to do with him. How does a black man from Libya, a country in Africa, end up 785 miles away from home to help Jesus carry a cross? That's the same distance from Chicago to New Jersey City, New Jersey. That's a far way, right? How does a brother named Aaron meet up with his younger brother named Moses, who he hadn't seen in decades, in order to help him when God called Moses to free the Israelites out of slavery. It's God's plan. It was not by chance that the father was outside that day. He wasn't just taking a stroll. He had been waiting for his son every single day. I mean, really think about that. Every single day. And we don't know how long that boy was gone. And he was out there. Instead of working to rebuild his assets, he waited for him. Some of you may think you are far away from God, but God is waiting for you. And when you decide to take that step towards him, he will see you while you are still a long way off. I love Psalm 139.8 because it tells us, if I, make my, if, if I ascend into heaven, God is there. If I make my bed in Shoal, the place of the dead, behold, God is there. No matter how far you feel you are from God, he is always waiting for you. And in God's waiting, there is a covering for you. Right? So God will always cover you. That's number three. The father ran to the son because if he didn't get to the son first, the community would perform kazaza, and you can't undo that. Once they say you're out of here, you can't come back. So the father knew he had to run for his life to cover his son so that the community, if they see him now having the father's, the father's covering and being welcomed into the fold by his father, that the community would now also cover him and welcome him back instead of doing what they're supposed to do ceremonially. 
Instead of telling the son when the father saw him, you haven't showered in two weeks. You smell of pigs and you smell like outside. You know how we like to say people smell like outside. <laughs> Instead of saying, go clean yourself up and then come and talk to me. The father hugged the son. He kissed him and refused to let his young son become a servant. He interrupted his son's speech to ensure his son's complete restoration. The father requested that the best robe be placed on the son. Who does the best robe belong to in that home? The best robe belongs to the father himself. The robe representing honor, majesty, and splendor was destined to be draped upon the very filth and stench that clung to his young son. Robes in that time were reserved for distinguished individuals, landowners, kings, and esteemed figures. Yet, the father deliberately chose to clothe his son's sin of the past with his own power and authority. He enveloped his rebellious son, transforming the tarnished and soiled into a vision of purity. And God does even more than that. Let the weight of this selfless act of love and forgiveness sink deeper than your hearts. The father's embrace of his child shows the immense compassion that knows no bounds. The same way the father covered the son is the same way God desires to cover you. He loves you, waits for you, and will always cover you. When he sees you a long way off, he will run to you and embrace you and kiss you. Not yet, we'll celebrate soon. He'll order the best robe that belongs to him to be placed on you. This robe representing honor, majesty, and splendor will be draped upon the very filth, stench, and sin that covers you. He'll put a ring on your finger to show whose family you belong to, ensuring that no one could ever kick you out of his community. When I got married last year, or preparing to get married last year, my parents made sure to tell me that they loved me, that my room will forever be my room, and that they would cover me if needed. In my Zimbabwean culture, we have a ceremony called Lobola. So basically, that's when, that's when, um, child, that's when the one who wants to marry you comes with his family, and they come and negotiate with yours. They bring gifts, they bring cows sometimes, they bring money, they bring clothes, blankets, Africans love blankets. And so this whole ceremony happened, and there was a bunch of negotiating. And so after that, people were telling me, okay, you have to be prepared for your new family. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's cool. I know that I have to have a new family, but growing up, y'all remember how when you were going out into the world and your parents said, be good, and remember who you are and whose you are. And so I remember telling myself, I won't ever forget who I am and whose I am. I love these people, yeah, but even at my big age, I was so, so comforted by what my parents said to me. So imagine, imagine how your children will feel when they know that mom or dad loves me. Mom or dad is always going to wait for me no matter what I do. Mom or dad will always cover me. That will bring them so much comfort and joy because like I said, at my big age, it did that for me. So City Point, I really see this being a place where the children can run to, a place where they can say, I know if I mess up, 
I know if I mess up, they love me. I know if I mess up, I can show up and they're waiting for me. There's no judgment here. I know that if I mess up, they will cover me. Parents, learn from the father's example in this parable and make sure, make sure that your children know every single day that you love them that you're waiting for them and that you'll cover them because that will shape how they go about the world. That'll shape their mindset because at my big age, like I said, it has done so much for me knowing that my parents felt that way. And so I just want us all to get up and pray and just make a commitment to being like this father, being like God to these children. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for just a special covering over all of our CP children that are here and, and at home. Father, you know, you know the end from the beginning. And you know the steps that they will take in life. And so, Father, I pray that all of the people that have heard this word, Lord, will love these children in the way that you have called them to. That they will wait for these children like the father waited and like you wait. That they will cover these children, Lord. We pray for your mighty angels to just encompass them as they go out into this world, as they grow up. May they grow up in the stature of the Lord. Lord, we know the fact that they're here right now, that their parents are raising them up and training them up in your way, in your word and in your will. So, Father, when they are older, may they not depart from it. Sometimes they may veer off like I have done in the past. But, God, look at me. I'm here. And I pray, I pray that they will be here because they know that this is a place of covering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.